This is the Wikipedia page for Raising of Chicago. You're listening to the podcast where we read Wikipedia articles and provide commentary. Welcome to Wikilisten. I'm Rachel Teichman, LMSW. Raising of Chicago. During the 1850s and 1860s, engineers carried out a piecemeal raising of the level of central Chicago. Streets, sidewalks, and buildings were physically raised on jack screws. The work was funded by private property owners and public funds. Background: During the 19th century, the elevation of the Chicago area was little higher than the shoreline of Lake Michigan, so for many years there was little or no naturally occurring drainage from the city surface. The lack of drainage caused unpleasant living conditions and standing water harbored pathogens that caused numerous epidemics including typhoid fever and dysentery which blighted Chicago 6 years in a row culminating in the 1854 outbreak of cholera that killed 6% of the city's population. The crisis forced the city's engineers and aldermen to take the drainage problem seriously and after many heated discussions and following at least one false start a solution eventually materialized. In 1856, engineer Ellis S. Chesbro drafted a plan for the installation of a citywide sewage system and submitted it to the common council which adopted the plan. Workers then laid drains, covered and refinished roads and sidewalks with several feet of soil and raised most buildings to the new grade. Earliest raising of a brick building. In January 1858, the first masonry building in Chicago to be thus raised, a four-story, 70-foot, 21-meter-long, 750-ton, 680 metric tons brick structure situated at the northeast corner of Randolph Street and Dearborn Street was lifted on 200 jack screws to its new grade, which was 6 feet 2 inches, 1.88 meters higher than the old one, without the slightest injury to the building. It was the first of more than 50 comparably large masonry buildings to be raised that year. The contractor was an engineer from Boston, James Brown, who went on to partner with Chicago engineer James Hollingsworth. Brown and Hollingsworth became the first and it seems the busiest building raising partnership in the city. By the year end, they were lifting brick buildings more than 100 feet, 30 meters long. And the following spring they took the contract to raise a brick block of more than twice that length. The row on Lake Street. In 1860, a consortium of no fewer than 6 engineers including Brown, Hollingsworth, and George Pullman co-managed a project to raise half a city block on Lake Street between Clark Street and LaSalle Street, complete and in one go. This was a solid masonry row of shops, offices, printeries, etc. 320 feet 98 meters long comprising brick and stone buildings some four stories high some five having a footprint taking up almost 1 acre 4000 meters squared of space and an estimated all in weight including hanging sidewalks of 35000 tons businesses operated in these premises were not closed down during the operation as the buildings were being raised people came went shopped and worked in them as they would ordinarily do. In 5 days the entire assembly was elevated 4 feet 8 inches 1.42 meters by a team consisting of 600 men using 6000 jack screws ready for new foundation walls to be built underneath. 
The spectacle drew crowds of thousands who were on the final day permitted to walk at the old ground level among the jacks. The Tremont House. The following year, a team led by Eli Smith and Pullman raised the Tremont House Hotel on the southeast corner of Lake Street and Dearborn Street. The building was luxuriously appointed, was of brick construction, was six stories high, and had a footprint taking up over one acre, 4,000 meters squared, of space. Once again, business as usual was maintained as this large hotel ascended, and some of the guests staying there at the time, among those number were several VIPs and a U.S. senator, were oblivious to the process as 500 men worked under covered trenches operating their 5,000 jack screws. One patron was puzzled to note that the front steps leading down the street into the hotel were becoming steeper every day, and that when he checked out, the windows were several feet above his head, whereas before they had been at eye level. This hotel building, which until just the previous year had been the tallest building in Chicago, was raised 6 feet 1.8 meters without incident. The Robbins Building On the corner of South Water Street and Wells Street stood the Robbins Building, an iron building 150 feet 46 meters long, 80 feet 24 meters wide, and 5 stories high. This was a very heavy building, its ornate iron frame, its 12-inch, 305-millimeter thick masonry wall filling, and its floors filled with heavy goods made for a weight estimated at 27,000 tons, 24,000 metric tons, a large load to raise over a relatively small area. Hollingsworth and Coughlin took the contract and in November 1865 lifted not only the building, but also the 230 feet, 70 meter of stone sidewalk outside it. The complete mass of iron and masonry was raised 27.5 inches, 0.7 meters, without the slightest crack or damage. Hydraulic raising of the Franklin House. There is evidence in primary document sources that at least one building in Chicago, the Franklin House on Franklin Street, was raised hydraulically by the engineer John C. Lane of the Lane and Stratton Partnership of San Francisco. Californian engineers had been using hydraulic jacks to raise brick buildings in and around San Francisco as early as 1853. Relocated buildings. Many of central Chicago's hurriedly erected wooden frame buildings were now considered inappropriate to the burgeoning and increasingly wealthy city. Rather than raise them several feet, proprietors often preferred to relocate these old frame buildings, replacing them with new masonry blocks built to the latest grade. Consequently, the practice of putting the old multi-story intact and furnished wood buildings, sometimes entire rows of them on block, on rollers, and moving them to the outskirts of town or to the suburbs was so common as to be considered nothing more than routine traffic. Traveler David McRae wrote, Never a day passed during my stay in the city that I did not meet one or more houses shifting their quarters. One day I met nine. Going out Great Madison Street in the horse cars, we had to stop twice to let houses get across. The function for which such a building had been constructed would often be maintained during the move. A family could begin dining at one address and at the end of their meal at another, and a shop owner could keep their shop open even as customers had to climb in through a moving front door. Brick buildings were also moved from one location to another, and in 1866, the first of these, a brick building of two and a half stories made the short move from Madison Street out to Monroe Street. Later, many other, much larger brick buildings were rolled much greater distances across Chicago.
I guess it's my dream to be in a moving structure like this. I've seen houses relocated in the 21st century. However, I've never been in one, and it sounds fun. This has been the Wikipedia page for Raising of Chicago. Thanks for listening to Wikilisten. To support the show, go to patreon.com slash wikilistenpodcast and find us on social media at Wikilisten and at wikilisten.com.